when you are a teenager, you know, you're trying to find your own way. You're trying to grow into independence, but not quite an adult yet. Um, do not blow off the adults who do take an interest in you. You know, that teacher who's trying to get the best out of you, um, the neighbor, it could be the shift manager on your job. Those people are there to support you. And even in the name of independence, it doesn't mean you don't need a mentor. Even as an adult, I need a mentor. I'm a motivational speaker, but I need another motivational speaker in my life who's already internationally renowned. I've spoken internationally, but I need people who are beyond where I'm at, who've already been where I'm trying to go. And I think that that's so important not to take the mindset of being so, oh, I've got this, I got this, I'm gonna do it myself until you're not taking wisdom from people who can really support you and be part of that village. In Your Element is a teen-hosted podcast covering conversations with our allies. I'm your host, Abby Jones, and I get to chat with some of the most inspiring educators, creators, and changemakers reflecting on their teen years, what makes them feel the most in their element daily, and things that they wish they had known as a teenager. This podcast is a sister organization with The Element Collective. The Element Collective hosts virtual and in-person workshops providing mindfulness, movement, creativity, fun, and other tools that high school age girls need to love themselves, own their authenticity, and tap into who they truly are. More approachable than traditional group therapy or school clubs, Element Collective founders Mary Allard and Kylie Roswell base their approach on the five elements and create a safe and playful environment for girls to connect with themselves and others. Because when each of us are in our element, magic happens. If you're interested in being a part of any of the Element Collective events or joining our Element community, like me hosting this podcast, or even Gabby who produced the music that you're hearing now, you can follow this podcast wherever you listen, connect with us on Instagram at Element Collective, or check us out at elementcollective.com. That's E-L-L-E-M-E-N-T Collective. Welcome to the podcast, Waiwana. We are so happy to have you. I would love to get to start off just by learning about you um, and about what you do. Tell me about yourself. Sure. Uh, Waiwana Montgomery, if you really want to have a good time, Waiwana Talitha Kumai Montgomery. I'm originally from Seattle, Washington, relocated to Oklahoma in 2008 because I am the original community relations manager for the Oklahoma City Thunder because I had that position with the Sonics and the Storm. So when they relocated, it was work transfer, stayed there for three seasons, then became the director of volunteer relations for Girl Scouts, have had a stint in EdTech. And now what's mostly related uh, for our form here, I have always had a natural passion uh, for working with teenage girls and I run a mentorship program called Reach Forward Foundation. We are five years old. And then I also published a book for teenage girls in 2016 called Bold, Brave, and Courageous. With all of that, I stay busy in the community and keep my pulse on what I can do to support young people. That's 
so amazing. I'm, I love that so much. Um, so you mentioned your book, Bold, Brave, and Courageous. I was hoping you could tell me more about that and basically what drove you to write it and what the main premise essentially of the book is. Great question. So the main premise of it actually comes based on the kind of the secondary tagline of the book. So Bold, Brave, and Courageous, A No Fear Success Guide for Teen Girls comes out of the fact that for seven years, I ran a conference for both women and teen girls, and it was called the No Fear Ladies Conference. So it had a women's track and it had a teen girl track. And that was really important to me because I feel like there's 50 million things for adult women to get involved with and women's empowerment. And I'm like, if we don't bring the girls with us, you don't all of a sudden turn 18 or 21 and understand how everything is supposed to work. And we all have different families, right? So some of us have more support than others. And the no fear is an acronym I created that stands for never let anyone tell you what you cannot do. Open your mind to the possibility of your greatness. Fight for what you want. Expose yourself to new things. Act on opportunities to launch yourself and reach forward. So each chapter in the book is based on one of those elements. So basically, there are six chapters that correspond to no fear. And each one opens up with a personal story of when I learned that particular lesson. So in one example, I might have been nine years old, or I could have been 13, high school, college, young adult, but wanted to start off with a personal story so that you can bring young readers in. And then after that, the chapters are kind of like common sense advice, like your big sister just sat you down for some words of wisdom. And then the back of the book has a short kind of workbook journaly type section where they can work through some of the things that have been talked about throughout the book. So I call it the mini life guide. Just wanted to give young ladies some nuggets of wisdom to really help them look at themselves. You know, there's so many things going on, so much distraction. How can I center and find out who I am as a person? Because when you know that, you can most effectively tackle the world and handle the different things that come your way. And out of that, I was able to also create an eight-week program called Project No Fear Teen Girl Mindset Transformation. So that's been cool to bring that to schools and uh, juvenile justice and things like that to help young ladies from all different walks of life and spaces. I love that. I really like that you're including that in juvenile justice. A lot of like things like that are only really included in the school systems. So I always feel like there are people who get left out. So I like that. Um, you mentioned every chapter starts with a personal story. What would you say, if you can pick one, is your favorite story that you tell in the book? Hmm, that's a great question. That The second chapter, the open your mind to the possibility of your greatness. The story that I use is when I was eight years old in third grade. There was field day at my school. And you know, field day consists of like races and all sorts of games. And no one wanted to pick me for like the relay races because I was a really skinny, kind of awkward little girl at the time and a slow runner. And I remember feeling so bad because I was anxious to be a part of the team, but no one picked me. I think it was last if I was picked at all because I was too slow. Well, miraculously, something happened over the summer. In fourth grade, I actually ran track and got faster and faster as the season went on. And 
by the time I graduated high school, I had set a triple jump record that actually lasted for 25 years. So that's my favorite story because I know we've all been there where there's something that maybe we just weren't the best at it. You know, no one was picking us. We wanted to be in the in crowd and we weren't there. Even if it's not sports, there's always the opportunity for you to grow and get better, right? You can either learn it, practice more. Someone can give you some great advice. That's my favorite story because it really takes me from a point of disappointment to really growing and thriving. And I am still a huge track and field fan uh, and was actually offered college scholarships. So that was a long way from the eight-year-old girl who was scrawny and too slow and, and no one ever wanted me to be on their team. So I like that because I feel like it's pretty encouraging and any young person can relate to it. Yeah, absolutely. That is definitely relatable. I mean, we always see like the movie trope of the little scrawny kid getting picked last for like dodgeball. Right. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I think, yeah, you're talking about like how it's all about the mindset of like, I can either let them prove themselves right that like I don't deserve to get picked or I can prove myself and want to do better not even for them but for myself I right. like that and another important lesson that came out of that as well you also have to see it mm -hmm. if I had just continued to see myself as the scrawny little kid who was too slow doesn't matter if you're at track practice or on the team, if you can't see yourself as great in whatever that thing is, it doesn't matter what someone else says or what they think, because it has to start in you. And I had an amazing coach in high school that also helped me to continue to develop that. One day we had a rainy day outside and we had to run in the building since the weather was bad. And I was running towards the back with my good friends. They weren't really putting in effort. They were just kind of hanging out and chatting it up. One of them, her boyfriend was on the team, so she just wanted to hang out with him. And our coach jogged by and he said, you know, Wawana, you can either hang back here or you can be the leader that you are and really work. I was like, oh, you know, that, <laughs> that really, <laughs> you know, that really grabbed my attention because in the moment I was just concerned about the social aspect but you also have to be willing to keep working and not let other people discourage you, whether it's, I wouldn't say they were like intentionally being negative, but you know what I mean? Just kind of following a crowd that's not in that moment, they're not doing their best. And right. so you have to continue to push no matter what kind of peer pressure and what may be going on around you as well. I like that. I think a lot of the time, just having somebody who you're able to look up to and respect tell you, hey, this is this is what's best for you, can sometimes be super impactful. It seems like that's kind of the subtle lesson your coach gave you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And I still have the glass cake plate in my kitchen. That was a wedding gift. So he remained in my, year, my life for many years to come as well. <laughs> I love that. Um, let's shift to Project No Fear. What would you say was the moment you were really inspired to start it. Was there a specific moment where you were like, yeah, something has to change and I want to be the person to help make that change? Or was it just kind of a gradual thing? I, you know, it's funny. It's kind of both. Um, about a year and three months after my book had been released, 
a school district, a rural school district, asked me to come out and do two days of workshops. So they gave me all of their fifth through eighth grade girls for four hours off-site the first day. And the next day they gave me all of their high schoolers, nine through 12. And I literally was able to create a series of group discussion questions, like actual games that they could play that reinforced the message. And one thing that was unique that I thought, you know, while I have this live audience of 600 girls over two days, what is the thing that I could add to really connect? So I announced to them that there would be an anonymous question box. And even if it was something that was not even in the book, not even discussed, if something just came up for them that they would like, you know, a trusted adult to address, go ahead and write it down. You know, I I left pieces of paper. You could ball it up, do whatever you want. And between each section, so basically between each chapter discussion, I would pull some questions from the box. And the things that came out of the box were so compelling that after day one, the district brought their entire counseling staff to the second day because they could not believe the situations that some of their girls were up against and they had no idea. The book has no discussion of sex or dating at all. Yet there were things like, I'm pregnant. What should I do? My boyfriend doesn't want me to keep the baby. There's no discussion about drugs that I remember. No, you know, no detailed anything. And someone said, my parents are involved in drug dealing and they want me to be part of the business. And I really don't want to do things that are illegal. What should I do? Then there were things that not quite so serious, but still important. You know, I feel like I'm not accepted because I identify and part of the LGBTQ community. I mean, there were all kinds of things that just started to come out that were pretty heavy. And that experience let me know that this book had much more that it could give other than just, you know, a mother or someone buying it for their daughter or their mentee. There's a lot that could be learned from it. So I talked about it. It took me a long time, not until the pandemic, that I finally sit still long enough to formalize the curriculum, have the curriculum guide created. And the biggest part that I've been dragging my feet on, there's two ways that it can be done. Either I myself can go out and facilitate it. Uh, The other method, I only had a pilot group test out so far, but in case it's a group that's out of state or for whatever reason I can't be there, I recorded six video vignettes so that an organization staff can facilitate it, but the videos are there so that their girls can still hear from me. So I would say, yes, those two days in that rural school district with all of the compelling things that came up, let me know that there was a lot of power, more power in the book and in the content that I'd even thought about. And there needed to be a way to kind of package it up and and let the message spread a bit further. Yeah. How would you say um, Project No Fear has evolved since doing that in that rural school district? How has it changed? And because I'm sure it's different now um, from your first experience. I would say the main thing is, of course, the content is always there, you know, in the facilitator guide or whatever, but I'm constantly working on fine tuning to take the cues from the girls that I'm working with in that moment, because it might be prescriptive and say, oh, now we're going to do this or do that. And there are choices there, but I really take cues from the group I'm with. 
And if we get to a certain question and it just lights a fire, I actually had that experience when I was working with, um, this was a group of girls that by successfully completing my program, they were able to shorten the time they were on probation. So it was great. Not a huge group. And unfortunately, when you're dealing with juvenile justice, you lose some of them before it's over because unfortunately some broke probation and had to go in. But I've really learned to sharpen up. And if there's a topic that really gets the group growing, I remember one night they were just They appeared so quiet and it wasn't the first night. So I'd seen more out of them, but that evening they just seemed not, not into it. And we were on the chapter about fighting for what you want, but you can imagine if you're in a juvenile justice setting that in their mind, they start thinking about like physical fights. And I always crack a joke. Like, I don't mean fight somebody over the boy or the girl that you like, you know, we're, we're talking about like standing up for something, but in their mind, relating it to physical fights they'd have. And sometimes they felt very strongly, you know, this happened because someone was talking about my mother or I was defending my best friend. That conversation, even though it wasn't quite the direction I wanted to go, it lit a fire under them. They were very engaged and I did get the chance to bring it around to the original intent. But I would say that's the biggest thing is understanding every session is not going to be exactly by the book so to speak. And that's perfectly fine because the main point is to have impact and have them glean some nuggets that they can use and really benefit their lives and their mindset, most importantly. Yeah, I love that. Um, Obviously, you are an amazing like leader and mentor for teen girls. Um, But obviously, not every teen girl gets to have the opportunity to go through your workshop or read your book. What would you say impacts you the most about how teen girls are being supported or not being supported, whether it's in juvenile justice or in the school systems or at home? I would say something I think that can occur, and it definitely happened with my daughter. You know, when someone is taller, more developed, they look a little bit more mature. I think sometimes where teenage girls don't have enough support is the adults around them wanting to treat them like many adults instead of realizing they're still growing and developing like you may be tall or you may look this way, but it doesn't make you a mini adult. And so had to step back. Well, what did I think when I was that age? How did I think when I was that age? What's the difference in what's going on now that might be something that I didn't have to contend with? So showing more empathy, I think, and then trying to put yourself in their shoes. And then in our current environment, just with all different laws around the state, I I feel like there's a lot of battles that are going to be going on with girls and their bodies and all kinds of things that are going to be even tougher, depending on where you live, depending on your your family stance. There's just, there's going to be a lot. I think there's going to be a need for mental health support and just helping balance emotion in a lot of different situations. I haven't even thought about all of that, too. Um, yeah, we could do a whole different episode on <laughs> on all of that. Ugh. I like what you said about, like, treating teenagers as, like, mini adults, because I feel like a lot of the time it can go completely opposite ends of the spectrum, where, like, we're treated either like we're fully mature and, like, know exactly what's going on, or the complete opposite of, like, we're like toddlers and need to be coddled and have no idea about anything about the world. Um, Yeah. 
Related to that, I that's something I have learned as a parent and as an adult, what you said about not treating teenagers as if they know nothing about the world and also devaluing the opinion or perspective on something. Because we may hear something as an adult, you, you might even ask a young person, what's wrong or what's going on? And, and then when they tell you, your response is, well, that's no big deal. You know, the, the symbolic, I had to walk 15 miles <laughs> yeah. to school every day. But I stop and remind myself that if I am only 13 or 16 or 17, that situation is just as big of a deal to me as me, the 45-year-old facing whatever. Right. And I think we, we need to remember that. Don't minimize it because you don't have these long decades of points of reference that an adult has, but we shouldn't devalue your experience and, and what you bring to the table and how you feel about something. And that's something that I've had to sit back with my mentor hat. The mentor in me had to teach the mom in me that, if that makes sense. Uh, so being a mentor of someone else's young person does a lot to help me as, as a mom as well, see things a bit different. And thankfully, my daughter is one who will jump on a live with me or, or whatever and share. We have that kind of relationship where I've opened the door for her to communicate, which is helpful. I hadn't thought about how like being a mentor with other teen girls would impact your like relationship with your own daughters. That's that's fascinating. Um, I always ask one final question on the podcast. Well, two, but I'll, I'll hit the major one first. Um, but before I do, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. Um, everything you've said has been so impactful and like as a teenager as a teen girl specifically it's very um it hits home you know um but yeah so if you could go back in time and give your teen self one piece of advice uh what would it be well first of all <laughs> I'll say thank you for having me on and i'm excited i'm happy that i've said something uh, that impacted you, because if it impacted you, then I uh, am sure it will impact some of your listeners. Uh, top of mind for me that I would share with my younger self, my younger self was very, even though I always had the book smarts that I was recognized for, the head of the class, the top grades, super involved. My college application had to have a second page because of all of the activities I was involved in from athletics to choir to key club to multicultural student union, you name it. But there was an insecurity around not being exactly like everyone else. You know, from a, from a girly perspective, still insecure about being too thin, you know, being small chest, not as developed as others. Oh, the boys don't like me as much because of this, you know, and then um, being concerned that, it, it was it just kind of interesting, just the things that the popular crowd was doing. Maybe all of those things didn't interest me, or maybe they did, but I knew that some of them weren't the most healthy things for me, so I didn't get involved. Um, I would tell my younger self, do not worry at all about sticking out a little bit and being unique, because that's actually what makes anyone great. If you look around you in the world, all the people who are shining the lights and we know them because of this and that, it's not because they were blending in with everyone else. If they did, we wouldn't know them. 
because they would be status quo and average and doing the same thing that everyone else was doing. So I would definitely encourage my younger self to keep shining. And that's exactly what you want to do is be yourself and not worry about being like everyone else or fitting in. That is such a good message. I've been, I've been trying to like find a way to put that into words for probably like the past three years and you just did it. So that was, (laughs) that was, that was good. That was good. Yeah, I always struggled with that, like, throughout middle and elementary school. And then um, probably, like, my sophomore year of high school, I was like, you know what? Screw that. I kind of don't really care about being like you guys because right. you guys are not very nice. And I don't want to be like that. <laughs> right. Um. Okay, final question. Is there anything that... I didn't bring up that you want to bring up. Hmm. Well, one thing I always like to share with young people, whether it's girls, boys, however you identify, um, when you are a teenager, you know, you're trying to find your own way. You're trying to grow into independence, but not quite an adult yet. Um, Do not blow off the adults who do take an interest in you. You know, that teacher who's trying to get the best out of you, um, the neighbor, it could be the shift manager on your job. Those early mentors that I had are still in my life. Um, In fact, I had one of the stories I share is having the opportunity to travel to France. That ninth grade French teacher was at my 20th wedding anniversary vow renewal, sitting next to my um, fifth grade teacher who is still in my life. And like I said, you heard me say the track, the high school track coach was at my wedding. Um, I don't know where he is today, but he was at my wedding and I'm still friends with my pre-major advisor from college. I graduated from Duke university way back in 1999. And I speak with Edwina Newman probably two or three times a month. And so it's not about what you can get out of the person. There should be a mutual exchange, but if someone is on you, you you know, might even seem annoying, but if they're taking an interest in you, there's a reason why that's because they see something great in you. And you also never know later in life, the important role that that person may play. My ninth grade French teacher helped me take a trip to France in 10th grade, had nothing to do with her class. She just decided, Hey, you know, this is great for you to have this opportunity, um, help my mother gather the funds together. And again, it's not always about money. Um, she's also the one who my mother knew I should go to college, but in my immediate family, I'm the only person who has gone to college. So she didn't exactly know the process. Miss Rue sat us down in her living room over dinner and she pulled out a big thing. Now it's digital. The Baron's guide still exists, but it's digital. It's like a giant phone book of every single college and university in the U.S. and the U.S. territory and was explaining like, hey, I know you want to go to Duke. You are smart enough to get in the Duke, but hey, apply there, apply across all the ranges. Like we know you can get in there, but also come all, you know, apply to your state school, everything in the middle, walked us through the FAFSA. Those people are there to support you. And even in the name of independence, it doesn't mean you don't need a mentor. Even as an adult, I need a mentor. 
I'm a motivational speaker, but I need another motivational speaker in my life who's already internationally renowned. I've spoken internationally, but I need people who are beyond where I'm at, who've already been where I'm trying to go. And I think that that's so important not to take the mindset of being so, oh, I've got this, I got this, I'm going to do it myself, until you're not taking wisdom from people who can really support you and be part of that village. Yeah, I think being able to accept help is, for some people, like one of the hardest things. Yeah, It's like Mary it, for me. <laughs> Mary's my mentor. Um, all right, so where can our listeners find more of you and all of your amazing work. <laughs> so the easiest place to find me, since my name is Waiwana, it stands alone. So my website is, guess what? Waiwana.com. W-Y-J-U-A-N-A.com. You'll see all of my work there. If you Google Reach Forward Foundation, you will find my nonprofit. Um, I'm on Facebook, but I know most young people are not there. I dabble on Instagram and Twitter. So I, I say dabble because I'm less consistent there as I am on Facebook, but you can find me there. And my email address, if you want to ask me a question, uh, also just as easy, ywana at ywana.com. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. All right. Simple enough. Um, thank you so much for coming on today it was amazing to get to have a conversation with you um thank you so much you're welcome thank you for having me